1: I, right, I feel then. like I
0: haven't seen you since
1: last year. Okay, right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you, it must have been like junior high or something like that when I first heard someone say that. I thought it was very funny. You know what I mean? Just oh, yeah. that little, I don't know. Well, you know, well, not only have we gotten
0: to say that, but we've also gotten to say, hey, I thought I haven't seen you since last uh, decade. I right. haven't seen you since last uh, century, century. And I haven't seen you since last millennium. We, we Millennium.
1: Got exactly i i had a, an idea you know everybody always has these ideas that never come to come to be i really thought that i was going to sell t-shirts come 1999 with same shit different millennium you know what i mean which is just i i i tend to not wear anything that has square words on it except for my mask that says you know back off motherfucker, but <laughs> boy, I got so rude so quickly in the thing here, but uh, that's kind of why I didn't do it is that I wouldn't want to sell a shirt that I wouldn't wear myself. You know right. what I mean? I just, cause, I'm pretty salty in my language. I don't mind swearing at all. I think it's absolutely part of a good vocabulary, but you choose your audience when you're going to say something. And if you're right. wearing your shirt, you don't have any choice as to, Oh, little Billy just saw the word. And I was going to say, Mommy, what does, what does millennium mean? No, he's also going to ask what does the S word mean? And well, so <laughs> <NLR> Jackson, right. <laughs> but, but having said that it's, uh, I, one of the things that Colleen and I have talked about, you know, about longevity is I don't want to just see this century I want to see the next one I want to make it to 2100 and that means I'd have to be like 141 years old and that sounds ridiculous given maybe 100 years ago but nowadays when you keep hearing about we're going to have organ transplants printed you know we're going to have nanobots uh, wandering around cleaning our cells we just we're getting to where if you're born now, all you gotta do is stay alive, and medical tech will keep on giving amazing advances. And so it really might be that I'm like little little withered husk of a praying mantis of a man, and yet maybe I'll see twenty one hundred. We'll
0: see. Yeah, they say they, uh, they, uh, the kids born now very likely will live to an average of one hundred and five. Exactly, and they're going to be working until they're eighty or eighty five.
1: And that's you know, um, I don't know who puts together all those big charts as to longevity and therefore what societal changes we have to count on but the the biggest one of the biggest things you know, all the end of year reviews are like what can you count on for 2021 aging that everything having to do with aging all that med tech all that uh, transport all the things that are that are helping us stay spry longer that there's definitely research being done and things being sold about that and in some cases sadly like hostages being taken you know the fact that someone bought insulin Patents and then jack the price up of something that should be a commodity and kind of, you know what I mean. It, it's um, there's people that are taking advantage of that fact by trying to corner the market in silver, like the Hunt brothers did, and and how that just seems so much like society should say, no, the need for that in society is much greater than the need for you to be standing at the toll booth <laughs> taking money from everybody that needs this thing, you know. So right. anyway,
0: did you ever see that uh, episode of Big Bang Theory? where sheldon calculated when he said the singularity would happen and he'd be able to transfer his mind to a robot body
1: <laughs> i did not see that one but
0: that's <laughs> he, wanted to, he had to live to i believe it was like 140 so he okay. had to live that long so he figured how he would do it would be uh and, and it was funny because it wasn't Stay, eat healthy and exercise and good body. It was avoid danger. So he stayed in his room and put basically a, an iPad Zoom onto a robot and it was remote <laughs> control. And he set that to work. And uh, th- him and Leonard were driving because Leonard drove and Sheldon didn't. Right. The robot was in the car instead of Sheldon and it's just sitting there all quiet. And then suddenly uh, Sheldon's face appears. He goes, Bazinga. And Leonard almost wrecked the car. He's like, don't do that.
1: <laughs> That's a, a quick aside. You know, I, um, in the course of my career, I've been part of other companies. And at one time I had, uh, me and Dave were partners in a company called Lankmar Corporation. And one of the things that we did was, you know, we don't want to have like a quarterly plan or a yearly plan. We should be like Sony where they have a 500 year plan for succession, and all that kind of stuff. And, and one of the planks in our 500 year <laughs> plan was to, um, to be able to live forever in android bodies of our own design (laughs) you know so that's as if that's not a science fiction theory for a long time and yet when we get to uploads when we get to that uh, this body wears out but nice sleek silicon and you know what i mean whenever we can make it that we're a little bit more indestructible i'm curious as hell about cyborging myself Mm -hmm. and i'm curious about what it would be like to be well what's There's all kinds of indications that that's a near impossible to solve problem. Our brains are amazingly complex. You know, when we talk about how far can we see into the universe and down into the depths of the ocean, it's nothing compared to the vast internet workability of our brain and how it, it's plasticity and everything else is just not, um, codable.
0: It's It's funny. I just saw a Keanu Reeves movie. We sat down and watched the other night called replica. And it was, he was a scientist that was working on doing that, transferring somebody's mind to a robot body. And they ran into a problem. People kept going crazy once they were transferred. And his friend was working on cloning. Well, Keanu Reeves family dies. So he gets this idea, let's clone their bodies and transfer their minds into their cloned body.
1: We happily made a copy of them before they died, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, oh. no, it was fine. They could get the DNA after they were dead. So that was okay. Oh, okay. And, exactly. and to transfer all their mind, they just had to do a lo- lo- lobotomy probe through their eye socket, and it transferred right through a wire. <laughs> and better yet, he didn't have enough pods to make his whole family. So he wasn't going to be able to recreate his youngest daughter. So he just went in and did a Google search on their minds and took out all references to the youngest daughter. And I'm watching this going, give me a break. I said, this really feels like a 1950s Philip (laughs) K. Dick novel. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) You got to have a big room full of computers with a tape spinning in the background, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was a little, uh, yeah. Okay. But
1: What's funny is, like you just said, Philip K. Dick, there's been science fiction people that have been speculating about this for a long time, yeah. just, just like everybody talks about maybe the origins of cyberpunk, you know what I mean? With uh, uh, And that was, let's see, 70s, I guess, right? Like Gibson,
0: but, William Gibson, I think. Exactly.
1: Gibson and Sterling, but but even then, before there were 70s, before there was virtual reality, they've had thoughts about, you know, what is consciousness? What is intelligence? And how right. could that be a, a fungible thing instead of a... Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know, it's kind of fun to, to, well, boy, there's this, you know, once again, we can go off track and talk about this topic right, a right. lot. It's, here's here's one thing I'll say is, the like, consciousness, you know, our mind and our brain, that's also a longstanding philosophical problem. Like, who are we really and how do we retain our identity if our, there's a, I don't think it's entirely true, but it's close enough to true. You know, our our bodies perpetually Self perpetuate. They you're you're supposed to get all new cells every seven years. Right. Well, how do you stay you if you've gotten new cells that are like? How does that transfer? How does the template of you stay in your mind? And could you duplicate that kind of stuff? There's a guy named Stephen Wolfram, very bright guy, that wrote a program called Mathematica, and also has done. He he read a great book called A New Kind of Science, and and its big theory is that the universe. The way to think about the universe is that it's made of information. Not of atoms, not of photons, not of any other you know, um, uh, subatomic particles and stuff like that, but that the universe exists as, for a purpose, perhaps to solve problems efficiently. Also, kind of r- alluded to in Douglas Adams' and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with Deep Thought and the answer being forty-two. Right. When when Wolfram talks about it, it's really it's interesting because you get an idea of what can and can't be done. That if you're going to think of the universe as a big computer, when we do. Um, simulations, you know, when we do coding that tries to get to how do we get ahead of a pattern and be able to predict it into the future instead of just waiting for it to play out. And you get an idea of how do you quantify that? How do you get an idea of complexity? And things are P complete or NP complete, you know, kind of, I'll totally bastardize this, but it's a, a measure, measure of the complexity and how big the equation is, if you will. Okay. And that some ways of thinking about the universe are, it just is so complex that you there's no way of getting ahead of it. There's no way to really predict some of the deeply built randomness of the universe or complexity of the universe. You just have to let the computer run, and that's what reality is, is that computer running in real time, right. if you will. So uh, that's a fascinating thought because for the places that you want to be able to get ahead of it and can kind of prove that, it's kind of like getting that peer into the universe, you know, that when you look into deep space with the Hubble and you see, this is how long ago the universe was, but light is limited. So it only gets to us now that if, that if you can get to where you understand something fundamental about the universe, where you can really say, this is how gravity works, how magnetism works, how strong. And, you know, when they started to get the forces and they're working on the toe, the theory of everything that will tie that all together. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is just so the math behind it is beautiful. And I, I, try to understand it. I think I have a pretty good grasp, but of course the biggest heads in the world, the Hawkings and the Einsteins and the so forth, I don't think I'm on a par with them, but at least I'm not totally like, nope, it's a miracle. Nope, it's just unknowable. No, there's something cool about trying to see Well, they're modeling it and they're getting closer and closer. And I trust that repetitive experimental trying to get closer and closer to where even if you can't predict it perfectly, you can get to an 80% uh, uh, confidence level and then maybe 90 and then 95 and start to deal with just pure probability. And I just, that's a cool way of looking at how, how is the the thing? What, what, why are right, we here right. to try to understand it, to try to just get the fact that we're little primates that actually can look around us into this vast complex thing and, And not just poke at it with a stick, but understand it and get ahead of it. Which actually poking at it with the stick
0: was pretty advanced for the time.
1: That's exactly how much can I influence this thing? You know what I mean? And,
0: (laughs) and, And I'm still going with the aspect that there are so many things we still don't know. With everything we know now, there are so many things we don't. And the things we're learning... Uh, Not only with like quantum physics and, and that how that keeps changing yearly and the things we're learning. I mean, they've said, yeah, there are other universes, but we can't really prove what they are or anything, but we know they're there. Okay. Well, that's something they didn't say 10 years ago. So that's still new. So what what don't we know to put all this together what what is still out there in the fourth dimension what's still out there in another universe or what is out there at the quantum level that we don't know about that would totally change or make sense of all this miracles may just be Another universe with a different physics system, or you know, the, right. I just
1: believe just there's still is too interesting. Much. Exactly, you know, I'll tell you this is very much shout out to Mensa because this is so much one of the most Mensa activities I ever did was they have what are called colloquia. You know, it's, yes. a, it's a gathering that focuses on a single big topic, and there's been some spectacularly good ones about the weather, about and in this case, it was about like you know, um, let's say about the universe. How did it come to be? What is dark matter? You know, all kinds of different things. And they had some of the really good big brains, researchers, speakers, authors that were able to explain a lot of these things. Some of the people that really had like done the early work on dark matter, proving that in ninety eight percent of the universe, if you're looking for how it works, how gravity works, where the mass must be, and that most of it isn't visible to us, that's a shattering thought, is that wow, we're really like living in a ghost universe, and you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But one of the humbling thoughts about it was a guy, I think Lee Smolin was his name, that and Brian Greene has a, a big book called, I think, maybe The Elegant Universe or something, where he first posited string theory, that we the best way to think of how the universe works is not in three or four dimensions, but actually in ten, and that there are super strings that bind things together, and we can see evidence of those connections, even if we can't fully explain it. And Smolin said, the reason that what you're talking about is not science, it's only speculation, is because science requires a hypothesis and an experiment to test that hypothesis and then updating your knowledge based on the results of that test. And the only way you can do some of those speculations to get back to what I was talking about is the universe is big and wild and woolly, and there's no way to test. Yeah, they're really super strings, So you can't put a, another universe over here and say, well, let's tweak this factor and see how that works. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's humbling to say we're speculating only and. And there are some things like we now that we've discovered that there are gravity waves. You know, this is a relatively recent thing. They had instruments, as our instruments get more and more sensitive, we really can detect more and find out whether something as subtle as gravity, you you have things that are very far away and you see whether they react differently over the course of time, like nanoseconds of time, so that there's the passage of a wave hitting our planet. And that it isn't that gravity is only a particle or a wave. Again, I'm butchering the thing, but it's a way of saying there really is something about gravity that isn't just when I drop this, it falls, but gravity on the big scale, the universe scale, is is different than planetary, Newtonian versus Einsteinian physics. (laughs) So the fact that we can still, as our instruments get more concise, that we get mightier and mightier at... The experiments that are not only thought experiments, but really they are experiments that we can try to prove, is there this fundamental force and how does it work, that we, we're still grasping to try to get to that that theory of everything, and we're getting closer and closer, and, and sometimes— and we've talked about this, you know, the things you come up with on Star Trek give the smart monkeys two <laughs> generations and they'll say, we can indeed create this because now we've got better idea of materials. We've discovered new things. We have more computing power. You know what I mean? We, right. we keep advancing to make that previous only crazy speculation now real. And that's part of the confidence that I have, too, is as long as we don't just say, it's a huge mystery and you can never figure it out. <laughs> say, well, what can we do? How close Right. Can- and there's something to be learned from all of that cool
0: stuff <laughs> and and now that's supposing that we aren't the universal experiment of some higher being <laughs> that we're not one of 20 universes that somebody else is experimenting with exactly which isn't out of the realm of possibility completely according to some people uh-huh. and it could just be it's the white mice
1: <laughs> it's always that. and dimensional beings who right. are you know only an incident in our dimension so it's kind of funny that's one of the things i loved about douglas adams and hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy was that he took those really big thoughts and made them into like laughable things you know what i mean if we're really right. wondering about is there another consciousness that's really running the universe and we are the experiment we're the little you know petri dish full of whatever it's kind of funny to think about that because we, along with all of our capabilities, we have to have humility that says, wow, we're so limited. And will we ever make it off of this little ball? We made it to the gray one and that's as far as we've gotten. You know, we haven't even gotten to the red one yet. And then we haven't gotten outside of, so uh, there's a cool thing. And it's kind of funny, I guess maybe new year's is the time for like big thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Famous thing called the Drake equation that talks about, here's how to kind of put a probability on will we ever meet intelligent life because the biggest thing in our way is the universe is vast like mind bogglingly unbelievably vast where most people right. we we ego. can't even
0: <laughs> see and detect all of it we have a limit to how far we can see and detect totally.
1: and it's expanding so that it's getting further away as we go but but having said that it's the thing that tries to say, okay, so given what we know about what would be needed to sustain life, and even that has a certain limitation because we think it must be carbon-based and involve water and oxygen and stuff like that and and then immediately the star the science fiction people speculate well you could do something with silicon or germanium or whatever but you know when you look for class m planets and how far away are the stars they might be able to orbit and there's that perfect what i think they call the goldilocks zone
0: Yeah, yeah it has to
1: be you know a certain distance so you get enough gravity enough sunlight that you could support life in the way that we understand life. And then, so you say, well, that's such so, so a staggeringly small probability. But if you've got a billion, 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 billion worlds, then, you know, over the course of large numbers, over the course of big time, there has to be something out there. But what's its chance of this tiny speck making it to this tiny speck and um and killing cattle?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. People, you know, so- <laughs> the part of that that a lot of people miss and don't think about and I've discussed with some people, and they they get glazed they, huh yeah. is that the time period we have only been around for such a small minuscule amount of time just for the earth's existence, let alone. Planets or solar systems that may be farther away and may have actually been forming before ours, or there could have been whole civilizations that lived a million years and right. died out and then died already. out but
1: that's that's a great way to put it you know we know that the the universe is like sixteen billion years old, and that the our earth is four billion years old, but our time on earth as sentient anything is like I think sixteen thousand or whatever so it's like you know if you blink. That's the equivalent of how long we've been around right. and what's our chance in a blink to have stumbled into somebody else or they into us. You know what I mean? It, it, so I, I I love reading that, the Drake equation and all the thought that's gone into it. It's cool because then you say, well, what's our best chance of how do we control any one of these factors? Will we ever invent near light speed transport so that we could cut distance out as part of it? You know, will, will we be able to... Our detection or as just pop, where to aim ourselves. Or, you know, or where
0: you know, pop into the next dimension, zip around and come back out.
1: Kind of the wormhole theory, exactly that, that you could have a shortcut. You know what I mean? Dune made use of that. Where and how do you go into suspended animation? Otherwise, you have to not have a very efficient little bullet of a spaceship. You have to have an arc that has enough people that they can have generations in food and that they it's not you who's gonna make it to a faraway planet. It's 20 generation 20 20 thousand generations yeah. or whatever How many sci-fi
0: stories are based on that <laughs> yes, exactly
1: so i i just i think those are cool big thoughts because there is you know that wonderful humility of the first time you see our blue dot our pale blue dot you know from space it's like wow that's it you know we can't use this one up that's in this middle of vast nothingness the harsh vacuum of space we've got this one planet and what are we going to do to hold on to it so that we have a chance of getting to these things? Or are we really kind of like, let's pollute ourselves to death. Yeah. Let's have a you know, limited thermonuclear war. Limited. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> right right now, it looks like we're not doing a whole lot.
1: <laughs> well, the fact that the doomsday clock is now edging forward, not based on the threat of war, but based on like our neglect. Right. Isn't that just the saddest thing in the world? <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, the other night, uh, we watched the uh, Matt Smith, Dr. Who, Chris episode or not christmas the regular episode pandorica when it opened and the whole universe disappeared and all that was left was the earth and when they looked up in the sky there were no stars right. you know it's like you think about it and they people were that knew about it were devastated obviously but come on folks it, it you know <laughs> there's a lot out there we are not Uh, you know invulnerable we we, we're not only people are worried about alien attacks but we aren't even taking care of it ourselves they're just sitting back and waiting you know
1: well that's i don't know i've I've seen a number of like single panel cartoons where it's like the aliens are passing our earth by and they're like so they are actually experimenting with nuclear devices on their own planet. Right. You know, I'm the, not associating with someone as stupidly suicidal as this race. Let's leave yeah. them alone. You know, this is, we got to put up a sign that says asylum. You know we I mean? This, this world is crazy.
0: You they, know? Yeah. The spaceships driving by and they throw their fast food wrappers onto the earth. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. And, yes. Oh, I was going to say, so it is the new year. We're talking about all these big ideas for living for many, many more new years. Uh, You know, you mentioned um, uh, several new year things like resolutions and calendars.
1: So what good calendars did you get, Al? Yeah, so this is kind of a quirk. You know, for most people, having like maybe one wall calendar and one desk calendar is enough. And I just, it's, I guess I portray my multifaceted geekery or at least interest because I like to have, 10 or 12 or 15 calendars. I have the one that has the national parks. And then it of course spurs me to be like, well, I've not been to that one yet. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I, I, I love, um, mandalas and kaleidoscopes and things that have complexity and, and symmetry kind of all together. And so that's one of those things that I don't meditate on them, but every time I look at them, I like that. Colleen has often said, you know, what kind of artwork do you want to have on your walls? Well, what you want to see out your window. So people who buy ugly artwork that's discordant or that's disturbing, I guess there's something to that, but I really don't want to see something that every time I look at it, I have to like force myself to enjoy <laughs> it. I like something that automatically catches my eye. So I, I tend to have... Those things, I, I really like having a, like a mandala calendar up. I love where people are really bright about playing with our senses. So like Trump Loyal, you know, where they have a 2D painting that looks 3D and so convincingly that you like don't want to step forward because you're going into the cavern. You know, they do this on sidewalk painting on mural yes, and yeah. stuff. And so I have a, a calendar that has that one called Surrealscapes where – um, they take a standard scene and then they kind of do an eschering of it. They juxtapose from here's tiling on the floor and then here's the forest above and they make it seem because it's seamless in the transition that that kind of works together right. and yet it doesn't. And so how cool to create something unreal and yet it works in all the ways that it, you would accept it as real until you say, well, these both can't be true. And then that automatic ambiguity and, and not even ambiguity, uh, uh, contradiction is very stimulating to my mind somehow. You know what I mean? I just, I love things that don't resolve and that you kind of have to let it play. And there's one called photo mosaics. that does that where people yeah, become very skillful, you know, with, with Photoshop and they, and they do amazing things with like, here's the Titanic steaming along through a field of wheat or, but it looks just right or something like that. Right. So I have a series of those up and I don't know why they fascinate me, but they do. <laughs> so I love that. Um, I have certain classic art, and I try to vary that. I really like, again, I guess to go to the weird surrealist part of me, I love Magritte. I love Dali. I love certain people that have done, in very classic terms, art that can't exist, you know, a, a lady-tiger hybrid or the right. clock over the tree branch or something. Right. And it's done so photorealistically that it looks like it should be, but it can't be. I like that. Um, and I also like, let's get some Norman Walkwell. I guess I really like photographs. I I betray my. I really don't know that I like modern art, where it's like a field of black with white and one white dot, and it's called alienation. And I get that, and yet it doesn't do enough for me. I'm, I'm looking at it after. 10 seconds a second right Whereas things that have like i have a klimt calendar this year gustav klimt has a famous painting for this called the kiss where it's you know two people kissing and the the robe or cloak that he's wearing is gold and so beautifully spangled and intricate and and so i like his work and like i said i i kind of get arty and say you know if i'm going to be like an adult a cultured adult <laughs> no, I should that's no fun have born awareness of those kinds of things so and instead of just going to the calendar store, you kind of have to go to the museum to get some of these. Yeah. Things. Yeah. But I don't mind that. And, and and it's kind of funny. As you know, I'm the king of cheapy shoppers. I wait for like, I didn't buy these things before Christmas. You know what happens after Christmas? Calendars go on sale right, for right. half. <laughs> and so I... And then the problem is that some things are depleted. You might have to go to multiple calendar sites or stores to find the things that you're looking for, because for whatever reason, Surrealscapes sold out. You know what I mean? I didn't find that the first place I looked. Um, let's see. I love, uh, like I mentioned, for travel, we have the National Parks one. We have Wonders of the World. where it's at perfect photos of, let's go to Chichen Itza. Let's go to the pyramids. Let's go to, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I like... uh anything big nature like where it's a a seasons or crashing sea or something and it just it it's like a cool thing for your place in the world like get out get out of your house you know these things are out there um we i have an ohio a couple ohio ones because i want to be inspired to go to that serpent mound in ohio or go to this covered bridge or whatever else it might be um and there's and usually i try to get one that's like the calendar that's all the days of days. So it's like today is national shortbread day and tomorrow is national penny racer day or whatever right. it might be. And there's something whimsical. I don't think most of those are real. I don't think there's like a national edict that says, you know, though February is black history month, February 12th is indeed not ho-ho month. You know what I mean? So, right. <laughs> and, um, it, I, so, The joy of, I have those up in, we have a Northern Lights calendar up in our bathroom because we have a shower curtain that's a beautiful fractal pattern. And the Northern Lights seems to match that somehow. So believe it or not, it's not just a random scattering. It's actually, let's put some travel here and let's put some, I have there, I'll tell you my geekiest one. Uh Oh. (laughs) I have one that's called mathematics. And every single day of the year, it has some interesting equation that is that date. And so, and and the um, pictures in the calendar are all beautiful expressions of math. And so it's fractals and it's asymptotic, you know, this, and, and uh, so it's I, every, every day when I read that, I'm like, wow, there are so much, so many branches of mathematics that I don't know. You know, I really topped out at like theory of probability in college. One of those first classes uh-huh. that I was taking it, I was like, you know, we're not talking about like how to how to do card counting in blackjack now. Now we're talking about, you know, given a, a distribution theta over the N space, you know what I mean? It really was all Greek letters and theoretical. And probably the first time that I ever said to myself, I don't know how I'm going to use this in the rest of my life. I'm not going to pursue pure math in this way. And it wasn't balls and boxes problems and how many socks do you take out of a drawer to get a match? It was three levels above that. And so having said that, when I do the mathematics cal- cal- calendar, I'm reintroduced to, you know, if I had studied, I probably would have learned more about topology and deep probability and, um, set theory and all these things that are nicely expressed in this calendar. And so it just kind of tweaks my brain and, and gives me, takes me out of my comfort zone. It's, you know, if you're a smarty, you don't often bump into things you're like, wow, I don't get that at all. You have at least some grasp of it. Nope, not here. There are some parts of math that are just, I gotta go look it up. I gotta right. go learn it. And could could
0: I figure this out even if I knew what it was? And you know? that's that's interesting because. To me, that sounds like that calendar is a great litmus test for friends and stuff. You know, if you mention you have this Mathematica calendar and what it is and what it are, do they come back with, oh, wow, that's cool. I would love to look up some of those. Or, yeah, why would you do that? That you know, that's a good litmus that's test for people.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, at my most geekiest, that really is. You yeah. know, when I try to explain it, people are like, well, what's the fun in that? You know? Yeah. It's
0: like, <laughs> well, okay. You know, which... <laughs> a category a friend to put those you know exactly. i i don't talk the geek stuff this one i do yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we we don't have any like i guess cool in that regard um which actually now i think i want to go look up that mathematical one because i'd love to see some of those but we tend towards the uh pop culture geek stuff uh harry potter star wars i got a really cool star wars calendar that has some of the Which I've mentioned in the books, but some of the sketch work and artwork from when they were working on the movies or proposals here's you know here's what a tauntaun is proposed to look like no we don't like that here's the next drawing you know so
1: i I got one of those ideas yeah Uh, i i it's kind of funny as i was thinking i was kind of working my way up our house you know what i mean (laughs) we have in our kitchen is what has the biggest squares to write in so that our shared calendar can fit you know but and really up here in skynet in my my office that's where i have the things that Colleen couldn't care less about. So that is indeed where I have the Marvel Comics calendar or the and but in her office I got her the Shits Creek calendar. You know, we really both loved that show. She really loved it. And so um in the in the past and also she really likes moose. I guess which is why she's kind of like fond of me. But you know, a moose calendar is just one of those things that who knows why they have all different kinds of animals and the moose calendar perpetually is available. So I guess it sells well enough that they're not giving up on moose and maybe moose and kangaroo and whatever the other ones are that everybody's like, I'm okay with mooses, you know? Right. Um, and for a while she had the, uh, Justin Trudeau, my Canadian boyfriend calendar. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it, it, like I said, up here, I usually have, that's where I have my comic book stuff. I have the Simpsons. The Simpsons is another one of those where every day they have a funny, and I think most of them are made up, but they're hilarious. When they used to be around, I had, I think Farside has a new yeah. calendar for the first time this year in yeah. 20 years. He's so coming back. Those. He is coming back. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and Dave Barry, not so much a wall calendar, but I used to always have that desk calendar because a dose of Dave Barry every day was wonderful, uh, right, right. George Carlin, you know, certain people who I really enjoy their wit, and there's just so much of it. They're right. so good um so yeah,
0: so so I don't know, do you know anything like the history of the calendar? when did maybe just Americans, but when did we start like? putting i i I, obviously calendars have been around forever we've discovered calendars uh just about everywhere so i guess it's a stupid question actually we've always had calendars people always want to know what day it is and figuring it out
1: but but i I, that that really is i don't know when it became like this that it was um that they were available with all the different pictures i'm sure that there was like from the early parts we've you know there's um not poor richard's almanac the farmer's almanac yeah
0: farmer's it's almanac enough.
1: here's how you keep track of crops and what kind of year you're expecting and maybe they started to have pictures that um portrayed the seasons or something like that i know some of the stereotype of calendars was it was a promotional device that you used for various different stores yes. or various different so get a free calendar Get a free calendar and that keeps their their brand in mind they'll you now also if you're you don't even have to have it associated with the product. All kinds of auto parts calendars had no auto parts, but they had bikini models. Oh, yeah, right. That's the that's the, um, the basis of any number of sexual harassments, Right. Because some guy has that in an inappropriate place and et cetera. Um, I know that they weren't as available when I was young. So, like, in college, I think I had posters and stuff up, but not calendars. Yeah. But after getting out of college, let's say, you know, I graduated in – 83 and i'm pretty sure that i started to see them in bookstores where they first you know the first year they had one rack and now they have many racks Doesn't. and then they started to have it be that they were selling them not in december but in like july and august with right. the 16 month thing the first page is the last four months of the year so they could extend the buying season and i've always thought that was a cheap trick but anyway yeah. <laughs> you and, know.
0: well you know and there's plenty of reference of movies and you see the people with oh i found this calendar that my grandfather had hanging up during world war ii or you know the the abandoned uh garage that they open up and it has a calendar from 1937
1: you know but this is the date exactly yeah, yeah
0: but i don't remember uh and i know movies aren't like oh it's real life necessarily but i don't remember a lot of movies set during like the 1800s seeing calendars on the hanging up that's really so, true
1: I, I boy now i have a little research project you know when <laughs> everyone having a calendar become popular that it wasn't just you kind of knew it from the town crier going right. to say hey it's the 4th of april you should be getting your crops in or whatever else right was, right you know that's that's a very interesting thing my guess and, is, and that's you know really what they used to do they
0: i mean they didn't care so much what day it was as what season for the planting or whatever. And I know that's not everybody in the world or every area of the country, but uh, you know, where I live and the people I know, that's how they base their life, you know? Okay. uh, This, the way the weather is and we had a frost, it should, that should be our last frost. It's time to plant right now. It's planting season. And
1: so there there might be something like, as soon as there were, holidays, holy days, they had to have a way of keeping track of that. And so someone had to say, is it the position of a certain celestial body that I can track that? And that'll tell me, or is it, I need to count the number of days from that to this, and that's 40 days of Lent. And so is it hash marks on a wall like you see in prison? No, you know, there's got to be some way that they kept track of it year to year. And and actually, as you know, there was a big change between the Julian and the Gregorian calendar, where they actually fixed things that, if it was a 360 day year before it became 65. And again, I, it's kind of funny. I don't always mean to give it misinformation, but I tried to just give some of, they, they had to add leap year days right. in order to so that it, you didn't like fall behind in how the celestial mechanics of our planet rotating really work. And so they had to refine that and they had to make it that we don't care what Rome thought. We care about something that's going to work for the entire world. Anyway, uh, and as you know, it's kind of funny, I always see this thing of, it would really be con- convenient if September, October, November, December were numbers 9, 10, 11, and 12, because that's what that first syllable means, <laughs> and then, right. then someone said, you know, whoever mucked that up should be stabbed for that, <laughs> said, hey, good news. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because yeah. he's the one that decided to put Julius and August in there, and you know what I mean? The, just think of that, the ego that says, I want my face to be on the moon so that everybody has to see it every day. I want to have the whole system of timekeeping change well, so that I'm in it.
0: I can name oh, at least one God. leader that probably thinks that way,
1: but, you know. <laughs> like, well, but the fact that we can draw parallels, that you know how impossibly stupid and dangerous that is. You know what <laughs> right, I mean?
0: Right. <laughs> so, and, you know, we, we had a big discussion over the holidays with somebody about, december 25th and christmas and it's like well you do realize that that's not really when he was born and there's was no snow he was born in the desert essentially and you know it was the the roman catholic church changed things to meet the pagan holidays to draw more of the people into the, i'm like so that's
1: other things, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And
0: and they argued with us that, oh, no, no. It's like, okay, <laughs> there's a difference between the, the religious reality and the reality reality.
1: Exactly. And, and, and you know, one of those, I, I still can't remember the exact formula, but when you're first like, hey, when's Easter? You know, Thanksgiving is the same. Christmas is the same every year, at least in my lifetime. But Easter moves around. And why is that? Well, there's a formula that it's the first Sunday after the last full moon before the end of Lent. It's like, wait. What, right? <laughs> you know, so, so obviously it got out of hand. You know what uh, I mean? What? <laughs>
0: obviously, that was before they had days and months and counted it that way. They, you know, they, so, they. Okay, so we had a full moon. Now we had this. So we count the rotations. Boom! Here's Easter. Right, you know, right? So and that held around. Obviously,
1: I one of the one of the interesting. You know, um I've been I've been doing the calendar thing for a long time, and so. It's kind of funny. I, I hardly ever back reference in years past, but at least for the last year, what I'll do is I'll sit down with last year's calendar. And then for the planning for this year, you kind of draw things forward. Well, let's see. We used to go to the pub quiz first Wednesday of every month, and then that stopped this last year. And so when I was going through and looking at for this year, it was like that little pang of, oh, that's really gone. Mike D, you were the best. You did it was such a consistent joy in our lives ever since i got to cleveland we've been doing it for like 20 years and he finally retired it earlier than th- in 2020 and so that's a sadness but then you're like well when's colleen's paydays put those on there because hey a little recharge to the account and what do we do for our mensa monthly gathering when is it? used to be that you know if there's a lot of events going on you want to keep track of okay movie night is this night colleen's book club is this night and it's kind of cool to already have that sense of there are cool things to come this year, and I must admit, you know, twenty twenty one is kind of shadowing twenty twenty. There's all kinds of things. Like I have no concerts to list that I already have tickets for. I think I have James Taylor in July. That's the one. I was going to say. there's
0: some tentative ones for later in the year. People are right.
1: hoping, and I already am tracking that. You know, where where the, where the funny music project declared that it's going to be this weekend it's like i'm putting this down with a fully intent of going i'm going to drive to chicago and just revel in all this cool funny music uh, and with these cool odd people another one of my we haven't really talked about it. have you heard of fump you know the fun is the funny music project no, it's kind I of like it. yeah i so i first bumped into them um we both love weird al and i actually went to alcon one year there's a woman in chicago grace and i can't remember her last name that really was a wonderful fan and she put together a convention and like two out of the three years weird al showed up he came from california chicago because you know and it was like at the holiday inn in elk Grove village just the most unassuming thing but when weird al there is like this is just the coolest gathering of the tribe a lot of people that liked that that listened to dr demento that listened to weird al they would said you know i have a tape recorder i have a computer i can start doing this as well and they started to put together their own little releases. They'd submit them to Dr. Demento. They there was like a an underground where they trafficked in this kind of stuff. And then nice. there's a couple people that were enough, let's get together. Let's let's organize this thing. We'll grab the hotel. We'll get, you know, the the um we have people, as you might imagine, there's all kinds of geeks that love A V, so they were able to get really good sound. They make recordings of everybody doing their cool, fun music. The first um, Weird Al, the, the Al Con that I went to, they had a dealer's room where, besides Al being there, they had all kinds of other funny music practitioners. And I just bought every CD. I just, you know what I mean. I just really wanted to get to know these people. And so, um, Rob Paravonian and I—I I, I can start to spit out names that I, um, throwing toasters, Grant, uh, uh the, all these people that they're wonderful and hilarious. But I'm aware that they might get play on Doctor Demento, and that's about it. Yeah. So they. Are not going to break big, but they also know that that way they don't have to worry about what's their position in the chart. Are, are they appropriately celebrity coiffed? You right, know what right, I mean? Right, right. And, and stuff. So getting together with these folks, I'm, I'm not a practitioner. I'm only a consumer, but I sure am an enthusiast. And now that I've been to a couple of them, you get to like walk up and say, so, um, worm quartet guy you know what's new this year and again i break out the wallet and i buy a year's worth of funny music because this is the concentration of where you can get nice. now it used to be cd i can buy, buy things on a thumb drive you know what i mean they'll right. give you their life on a thumb drive, which is kind of
0: cool. That is so, very cool. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just uh, make note there that uh, you were talking about all the recordings they did that you mentioned tape recorder. Seriously, <laughs> come on. <laughs> when was the last time anybody used a tape recorder? Even no, I haven't.
1: But back when it started, back in early yeah, Dr. Yeah. Demento, I'm back pretty in sure Dementia. that's what Weird Al submitted was a demo cassette. Oh, yeah. A yeah demo cassette. A different and different he, different he recorded. CD. Back then. Yeah. yeah so,
0: <laughs> he recorded some of it in the, the New York subway in the bathroom for the echo effect. Good echo.
1: Exactly. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. but I so just kind of,
1: no, go ahead. No, I, I guess like, going through the calendar, that's what I, you know, like I'm hoping that we're going to get. What other geeky things do I like doing? I love going to a thing called Replay FX, which is in right. Pittsburgh, the all capital of the world. And they have a, they take over their convention center. Like uh, one of the hugest rooms in the convention center, and they fill it with pinball and video and computer games and board games, and I just go there for four days and wallow in it. I, it's you know what I mean. Like if you're looking for something that is an immersive activity, and like I'm willing to give up sleep to play as many of these games as I can, because when you get a chance to play more than the one game that's at the one bar, you know, in Cleveland, there's a couple places that have that now. They're like little pinball museums or stores and you usually pay like you know an entrance fee 10 or 20 bucks and then it's free play for the evening well this is something like that it's probably 20 bucks a day but i play hundreds of games yeah, you know what I mean? 20
0: bucks. <laughs> I, I,
1: Nothing. If me and exactly. Gina go to
0: Starbucks and we get a specialty drink, we've almost spent $20.
1: Exactly. You know, that In comparison, like the people who do this, it's a labor of love. Another thing that's cool is there really are craftsmen people that Pinball is a very interesting intersection of a lot of it has gone solid state. It really is by chip, and and it does all that. But someone still has to be able to set the bumper so that it works just right. There's a little electromechanical switch that makes it go off. There's the coordination of these things and the fixing of it. You know, like it's kind of funny. Even if you just play a game a hundred times, it starts to get that little trail of <laughs> yeah. ball dust. That came off of this gleaming silver ball, but somehow it attracts enough, you know, microscopic particles, right. and so you have to kind of buff it so that your lane stays clean and stuff like that. And and, and, and
0: there's nothing worse than playing a pinball game where one of the bumpers it doesn't work right,
1: doesn't work correctly. A flipper does exactly. A bumper yeah. doesn't work right to where the ball gets caught because there really is like that that little plastic flange has come out just enough, and they they actually on all these games they have you know. If anything's wrong, immediately like text to here, and we'll send one of our many (laughs) exactly that. They zoom over and they fix it instead of being uh, over the course of the weekend that more things go dark and like uh, under you know once in a while something has a part that goes wrong and they really don't have it on site to replace it. But one of the other things is besides all the games, they have all the vendors there of all the pinball games and equipment and so you would think well even if you don't have it in your personal stock just go over to xyz pinball supplies and they'll have the right. that you're looking for you know what i right. mean the pantronics regulator yeah there it is And like they have three generations of it so i'm sure it works for your belly, or your stern or your midway or whatever else it might be
0: and, and it's so. it, it really is all that retro stuff is really big um yeah. I, and the retro games and and pinball uh, at micro center uh, which we're lucky enough to have one here uh They have like everything you need to build your own arcade cabinet the joysticks, the buttons, the screens, oh, cool. yeah. and you could wire it up to your computer and uh run stuff. I believe they have some pinball equipment too, so you could build your own pinball or you know whatever and i'm I'm like that's heck, we were just talking last night uh Colin had a friend over that i uh Al, it, it was a little inspiration from you, but I'm cleaning things out. It's the new year time to clean things out. Right. <laughs> Cluttering. Exactly. <laughs> so I pulled out my old Atari 7800, which is oh, a man. lot more rare than the Atari 2600. Didn't have as many games. Wasn't as popular. The joysticks are horrible. I've had this thing for 25 years and literally I think my son said, I think I've only seen that once in my lifetime. So I'm not playing it. I'm not doing much with it and it is electronic. So those degrade you can't
1: just leave them sit forever i I wonder if you still booted up or whether you had to like everything worked amazing
0: everything it was great i mean i sat there
1: it has no moving parts and so it really isn't that it rusted or that it seized up you know the oil got gooey or whatever else it might be
0: so i was debating and so his friend collects old video game systems i mean real life ones not the emulators the cartridges the joysticks everything he did not have a 7800, so wrapped it up, said Merry Christmas, and he you was like, oh, overjoyed. You gave him – that would have found it on his own. How yeah. cool is that? And good you for know, you. I, I almost didn't do it. I mean, it was tough, let me tell you. I was sitting there playing it, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll just keep this for another couple of years. But I'm like, come on. If I haven't pulled it out uh, – and this kid will so enjoy it. He'll love it way more than I have. So besides, he'll let me play it if I go over. So, you know, I'm all good. <laughs> well, but that –
1: Finding someone that can go to a good home, that's part of when you hold on to something for a while, you don't want to just put it down to the curb. You want to make it sure that someone that will enjoy it gets it. So good for you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that's New Year, you know, cleaning things out, getting rid of things. That's one of my resolutions. We're trying to, uh, you know, just look, if you haven't messed with it, if you haven't touched it, if you don't even remember when you got it, you know, let's get rid of it. Let's find a good home for it or whatever and save the room for the things we want to do and want to have.
1: That's a great way to put it. I I must admit, you know, Colleen and I, I'm much more of a hoarder than (laughs) she is, but I've tried to make it that I kind of don't affect all the rest of the house. A lot of it is in the attic or it's over in the storage lockers, but when it starts to be that, you know, I got a whole bunch of stuff on the stairs because those are the books that I read and I haven't put away in the collection yet, I don't have a better place to put them, and I know if I put them on the stairs I will eventually box them up and take them, but that when you don't do it for a while and it starts to be tottery, I really don't want those things to get hurt. And I so much don't want Colleen to think that she's kind of living hemmed in, you know, we right. live in a house not where there's going to be aisles between the National Geographic stacks. You know, I don't want to get to that level of TV weirdness. Would I invite the TV crew into my house? When you get to that point that you wouldn't, right. you really, so it's a, uh, some part of that, I really am trying to do that is, Um, box things up, take them to the storage locker, catalog them as I've been doing with my comic books. And my overall plan for this year is finish with the comic books. I I hit a milestone. I I did get um, almost all the long boxes done and I hit a certain dollar milestone that I won't talk about because it's ridiculous. But you know what I mean? It's it's, um, the fact that this might, as we kind of like laughed about early in the podcast, if this turns into a couple more trips for Colleen and I, a little bit more security, it's like I've loved these guys for a long time, but again, getting them to a good home. I don't know that I really have that so much in mind as now monetizing something that I have taken care of for 50 years. You know, when I go back and look at something 50 years old and remember, well, I really was already canny enough 1970 and on to not just buy it and read it, but like take care of it, store it away well and all that kind of stuff. So I have, you know, all kinds of stuff in really good condition, even though 50 years, that's a lot, that's half a century. And so I'm hoping that that'll finally kick in that my, Obsessive nature will not have just been pat them (laughs) on the head and you know, don't let them go crazy, right? It's more about this. This is one way in which scarcity and atoms in this digital world there's something still that that's got value because of the market for comics is as good as can't stamps or coins or various other things that are dalliances that people have, you know.
0: And and and, you know, we were talking about living forever in the singularity and robot bodies, you know, true that you know, we're definitely go live longer uh, than 100 150 years ago on average um but you still never know i mean with this COVID thing who would have thought a year ago that so many people would die from a flu-like bug you know and that not only is it 70 year old people with respiratory problems but it's 30 year old people are getting hit with this and and you know so again a
1: little bit of uncertainty to life that you don't really know how long you're going to be around
0: Like the 7800. I love it. I've always loved my Atari games. I played them when I was young, like wore them out almost. (laughs) Not that you could, you know, I love them. I've played them. I still adore them, but I haven't touched it, you know, and what good would it do if I would die and then nobody knew what to do with it and they just took it to Goodwill or put it up
1: on auction, I totally hear you. You. Know. you know, some part of this, there's been probably for like five years, eight years now, that whole idea of Swedish death cleaning that, you know, that's the, they, as a, culture, or at least the book says, that there's some part of, you know, the elders take on the idea of, I don't want to leave this all as a hassle to my successors, to my inheritors. I kind of want it to be that if I have things of value, they get maximized. If I have things that I want to hand off to various different people, I want to be very specific about it in either my will or do it now and see them enjoy the cool piece of furniture or the cool painting or whatever else it might be. And so some part of that is definitely for me. There's so much stuff in my life that nobody cares about as much as I do. You know, not only Colleen, but just in the world in general. And I kind of don't want it to be so. My grandfather uh, died a, a long time ago, but he had he, he had all kinds of Lithuanian books, which didn't really do me any good because I don't I'm not conversant in Lithuanian. But he had all kinds of other stuff that I really would have liked to have it. You know, if nobody else wants this, I'll take it. And what I found out was that my uncle had gone over and just kind of put it all in boxes down to the curb, and like with no discrimination as to this is historic, this is first edition, this is so much teta, you know, my grand, you know, the Lithuanian <laughs> name for you know, grandfather is teta, little father, I think it means. There's our okay, so less there,
0: learning there, for waiting
1: for you today, and I just it dishonored him in some way that I was very uncomfortable with. And I, I don't really care about, I won't care about my honor when I'm gone, but I kind of want it to be, if I really put a lot of time and love into this, it'd be really cool if it went to people who would love it as well, instead of right. it just being, yeah, this guy was kind of nuts. Look at all this stuff. Um, scrape the top off of it. Cause that's probably what, you know, like there won't be as necessarily as much appreciation. Some part of what I want to do is not just sell things. I really am like, so Colleen and I have wills and living wills and all the right things for you know. Since fifties, we wanted to make sure that we didn't have the fiery bus crash and die intestate, and then all the lawyers get the money and the state right. gets the money. So, having said that, I really have some idea of you know my older brother always liked these, and my younger brother these, and my best friend these, and so I kind of have an idea of please make sure that you know Armin gets the Iron Man's <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing, you know, <laughs> and and and. And it's silly. They might not really value them in a way that I— But knowing
0: that it was from you, it's kind of a reminder, too.
1: I guess so. It's a little bit of a, you know, I hope you enjoy these. You know, I I do remember having good times— Right. When we talked about this, that if you had a favorite character, a favorite series, that kind of stuff, I besides all the charitable places that I want to make sure some money goes to, you know, let's get some park benches that say, hey, take a rest courtesy of Alan and Colleen, you know, that right. kind of thing. And,
0: and, you know, and this uh, just another thought, I guess you could say it's a little morbid, maybe even not so happy, joyous. Oh, my God, Alan, uh, we miss him. But these Ironmans are great. You know, maybe it's you know what? My wife just got breast cancer. We've got a million-dollar hospital thing, and Alan gave me these Iron Mans, and now I can sell them and pay for that. So
1: that it, it could raise some of the costs. Exactly. Yeah, That's you right. Know,
0: so it, it could help in ways you don't even anticipate. That's right. Or, or it could be his grandchild discovers them and d- discovers the joy of the comics and grows up to revitalize the comic industry. Oh, well, the, exactly. You know, a wonderful so, effort.
1: Branching possibility tree. You know what I mean? Yeah, there That's goes my really my writer
0: brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when my grandfather died, uh, there were uh, several things that I would have wanted, but he found out he had cancer. So he just, he did that. He took everything he had and threw it in a dumpster. And <sighs> there were so, not, not so many, but there were a couple things that I was just devastated to learn. I couldn't get that were gone forever. Uh, so,
1: you know, it, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought of that legacy for most of my life, not having had children, which would be the automatic thing. They'll inherit everything. Colleen and I have this uh, thought more than other people have to. You know, if you have a family, it kind of automatically you think, well, they'll make of it what they want. They'll keep what they want and, and sell the rest, toss away, give it to charity. And But I guess I have to be kind of more proactive about it or something like that, because otherwise it really will be that someone's going to lock the house up and then bulldoze it down with all my stuff
0: you yeah, know yeah, what i mean yeah you really don't want the the storage facility to say well they defaulted on payment nobody knew this stuff was here so we're gonna put it out for auction of anybody that comes by Exactly. So what other (laughs) resolutions do you have? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to tell you this. So one of the things I was doing last year was working on the Raspberry Pi, learning some programming and learning to play with it. Mostly what I ended up doing with it is playing some emulated arcade games. But uh, (laughs) I'm doing some real programming. So uh, New Year's Eve, I spent a very large part of that day. I actually got it to where... I had a motion sensing camera that when it would detect movement, it would snap pictures.
1: Like you were saying about get some wildlife photography of yeah. the little link sniffing the camera. And then yes. you've got the per- That's very cool. So exactly. I got that.
0: Now I, I, I want to play with it more to get, can I get pictures faster? Can I do video instead of pictures? Uh, I've got a night camera so I can do night vision stuff. Um, you know, so I'm just playing around with all the possibilities of what I can do with it. Yeah yeah so that, that's pretty that really cool, cool.
1: Yeah. well one of the joys about being in the computer field is that it's like the ultimate tool you know you yeah. can program be anything you want it to be and so it's kind of i i don't know that i have that many um computer oriented things except ease of life you know i'm, I'm going to work on home kit stuff i really would like our house to be a little more automated so that for when we start to travel again the idea of being at the airport and saying you know computer warm my house up and that it is fifty five when we get home, but it's already toastier so that we don't have to cower under the sheets while the house warms right. up and stuff. And control of lights to make it look like we're home and control of the thermostat, control of um I guess just kind of extending my ability to say, okay, a house lights out and then it does that for me instead right. of my necessarily having to walk around. And not in a lazy way, more just like a now I'm sure that the door is locked and the lights are out and and that My house is secure. Some of that, and
0: and that's one of the things I love about the pie because it's so flexible, and it takes me back to when I was a kid learning programming. And oh my gosh, the possibilities, you know. And it it links into so many things. You know, you could buy all the automation equipment that turns lights on and off, but it's pretty much a set time, you know, and you program that. Whereas If I wanted to with the pie, I could link it all together and I could say, okay, at a random time between 7 and 8.30, turn the living room light on at a random time and turn it off. And then maybe at another random time, turn it back on. So it's not the same pattern. And you could even turn the living room light on and then half hour later, turn it off, but turn the dining room light on. So it's like I'm going through the house. You know, there's
1: casing the joint they're getting the idea that someone is living there exactly and
0: you know trigger every now and then a dog bark just a faint (laughs) dog bark you know just whatever you think of that's with the trail cam that's one of the things i borrowed somebody's trail cam and i could set it to take one picture when it detected movement and then it would wait 30 seconds and reset if it detected movement it'd take another one or i could say detect movement take three pictures that are like two seconds apart then it waits 30 seconds and resets and it'll take three more if there's still movement. Or I could tell it to take video of 5, 20, or 30 seconds if it detects So it's got movement. some
1: choices, but still the default choice is not anything that you want, or you want to tune it for. Okay. Exactly.
0: So with the Pi, what I want to work on programming it to do, is, oh, and I already did actually, it puts a timestamp on the picture. So you can see exactly when it happened, which the other ones didn't. And I want to create different versions of it to be able you know if it's uh if there's movement uh take uh, like five pictures if there's still movement take five more pictures if there's still movement take a video you know you can't do things cascade, like that Exactly,
1: a cascade exactly you know uh one of the things that Colin and i did over these last couple of years is national geographic has a series where they tour the country and they have the actual photographers that have done these things come and show their photos and talk to you so we saw to playhouse square and one of the guys with was- about big cats he's been all around the world to capture lions tigers snow leopards cougars whatever else it might be one of the things that he did was set up some cameras motion sensitive as you're talking about in places that he had heard okay there's a jogging path here and there's an occasional cougar sighting so let's see if i can capture anything and so he has a classic picture of like the first ridge just outside of la a sea of light beyond it and here's a cougar walking along so like they're not living only remotely they're right there right. Na- kind of encroaches on humanity, not in a dangerous way, but just like they get smart about if I hear a motorbike coming, I hide, you know, and I don't want to have encounters with humans, but there's... So if we can have cougars living that close to a big city
0: and nobody knew about it, why can't we have aliens on other planets (laughs) that we can't... You know, I mean, come on, folks. Let's just bring it back around like we do.
1: (laughs) It, It is a matter of... Detection is what matters, not yeah. reality. You right know, I mean, you can right speculate place. all you want, exactly. So, <laughs>
0: so before we go, you got any other big goals or resolutions for the year?
1: Oh, in brief, I'm big, and I need to be less big because it gets harder to become less big as you get older, and I am. I'm diabetic. Um, you know, I was pre diabetic and now I'm right on it and I just don't want to be there. And so I need, I, I have, I'm taking metformin, which is like me the pre stop it type drug. And I don't want to prick my fingers. I don't want to be on monitors that are attached to me. I really want to not do that. And so I'm really working on cut out carbs in a more serious way than I have. I've known I was pre diabetic for six months and I haven't done enough about it. So. That's A lot of people have this New Year's resolution, but it really is about that. It's not about, hey, I want to look good in my swimsuit again, but it definitely is. I just, I need to be less. I need to have less weight on me because it has complications for my overall health, and I'm not making it to 141. If I'm already you know, diabetic when I'm 61, Jesus, that's right. how. I'm very strong in terms of animal strength. I don't tire, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm doing what I can to wreck that. How stupid of me. So you know what I mean? I need to forego some pizzas and some chips and some fast food, and whatever the other bad habits that I've developed and just, and, and be better about that. So hopefully I'll give you box score as the year goes by, you know, Hey,
0: I, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing and watching and thinking, um, what I've discovered for myself, and I don't do the fin- finger pricks very often, but I have been doing them and very precisely eating something and waiting two hours and then checking. Okay. Yeah. And I've been figuring out what items are the worst that jack it up really high and which ones don't affect it. So I, I make better choices. And it's not like every item. It's like, okay, I know if these crackers uh will raise my blood sugar, then probably every cracker will, you know? So um, I definitely, uh, you know, it was scientific, I guess, and our brainy way of doing it, I I would eat one thing. I'd wait two hours and check it. I'd eat something else, you know, just testing everything. So really, and people always say, whoa, I guess you got to stop eating candy bars. No, not actually. You don't have to. You have to watch it. What I really have to stop eating is mashed potatoes and bread,
1: it was absolutely. The fact that we have a bread machine and I've gotten really good at making yes. bread, I'm going to learn much more. How do I use the almond flour and the hazelnut meal and all that kind of stuff and and get away from uh, uh, even whole wheat? Even that is not uh, like low glycemic index type stuff. Right. There's very few things you can make what everybody thinks of as bread that doesn't automatically have a sugar hit as those right. carbs get converted into simple sugars and rush into your bloodstream. Right. And you that's know, what... I mean, uh,
0: a lot of people don't understand, you know, I can have ice cream and actually ice cream has less effect than uh, mashed potatoes, you know, and it's not just what it raises your blood, but it's what it spikes to within minutes as opposed to where it takes it and levels it off. So, uh, you, you know, but I mean, there are definitely foods that when you eat it, It'll spike your blood sugar up to 190, but then it'll come down to 150. And there's other foods that will slowly go from 120 to 150 and then come down. So you got to know what those are, again, to make choices.
1: Exactly. It's kind of funny. Ever since I learned, what I tried to do was a whole bunch of minor repairs. In other words, you know, for whenever a bread recipe calls for sweetener, I use agave or honey. I never use sugar. I never use like as that the simplest sugar that you can get um, i've tried to not only go you know low fat without getting on the soapbox too much it's really hard to do this when the whole world is yeah. aligned to make sure yeah. that you're getting all the salt and fat and sugar that they can possibly it put is. in to make it addictive you know those are our pleasure center things that are in food we,
0: we we've talked so about that
1: we have to eat raw and we have to be watch when we're doing it to ourselves you know so even pasta even whole wheat pasta that's not going to do it i have to get garbanzo bean pasta i have to yes. get quinoa pasta and things that are not simplest sugar that they can be and actually i think quinoa isn't one of them one of those things that you know if i'm going for ancient grains and that's all got to be better than just whole wheat durum no they're not all better only certain ones are and so you got to kind of go because it
0: says it's healthy in the store doesn't mean it's really the best choice and a couple of things i'll throw at you to check out uh check out monk fruit which uh stevia exactly no no not stevia monk Ah. fruit
1: Monk fruit, okay.
0: Yeah, and uh, ghee, g h e e. It's a refined butter, of, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. it's actually something they used to make in the pioneer days, just as a matter of course. Okay. Uh, so it's something they've kind of brought back. And um, uh, shoot, now my my mind just blanked on the third one I was going to mention. I'll think of it and tell you next time. Uh, but uh, those are a couple of the things I've gotten uh, and watch and use at times.
1: Very good. And for other resolution without it being fully formed yet, and I kind of wrote about this on Facebook, like I tend to um, try to become good at everything that I do, become almost an expert, but then I tend to stay in those lanes of I really, I find the things that make me happy and I do them. And some there's some part of wanting to keep my brain plastic, wanted to keep growing as a person. I want to do something that I know is not going to be in my comfort zone. So let's try some art. You know what I mean? I've never been more than a stick figure type drawer. If I really put my mind to it, could I do a Bob Ross? Could I try to make happy little trees and stuff like that? What, how about music? I have not practiced keyboards regularly since college, and college is a long time ago. So, <laughs> I can unbury, you know, the Casio CZ1 and see what I can do to hook it up to oh modern. Oh my God, computer. you
0: really have one of those still?
1: That's, that's, well, CZ1 is a full length keyboard, it's not yeah. the little portable one. Yeah. Right? It's the one that used. Wave tables instead of uh, it's really a good thing i've been negligent negligent in using it and i really would like to i have as i think i mentioned before incredible stage fright about that i so much want to be better than i am i want to be able to just sit down and rip off the entertainer and have people go you're pretty good instead of like fumbling through it and having to stop one third of the way through because i don't have it all and so Uh, The only way I'm going to get that is by practice. And maybe even these old brain cells and these old fingers can still pick up on some part of the joy that I got when I was doing it in college. Because even though I never got good, when I was off by myself, I was like, I am getting better. I'm enjoying this so much. That's the point. Yeah.
0: that's funny because (laughs) i'm doing the same thing i'm i pulled out my guitars i pulled out my keyboard and i'm not putting them away uh i've got music out i'm playing a little bit i want to do a little more playing this year um i want i should have three maybe four more books done by the end of the year because i've got two of them ready to go working on others um but for the art and drawing um i Someone else uh, a couple years ago was doing the same thing i want to learn art type thing and they found this book and kit that uh was designed for people who can't draw and want to draw and okay. I'll, I'll find the link and I'll shoot it off to you uh they they said it was really good, but the basic key of what they do is they tell you to turn what you're looking at upside down and draw that and they say it imp-
1: assumptions about what it should yeah. look like
0: yeah it, it it really makes it you're drawing better as you know, better than you ever thought you could draw. So I'll find that link. I'll shoot it over to you. Thank
1: you. That sounds great. A friend did also um, challenge me, a good friend Janice who writes like for TV Emmy award winning. So she's really good has challenged me to write a novel because she, she thinks I write relatively well. And as you know, what i mostly what I write are like my little essays for Facebook and my little columns for various different magazines. But I've never, most of what I've done before has been, explanatory and showing off, hey, I really know comic books, I really know Plato, whatever else it might be, at distillations of knowledge, if you will, whereas starting from blank page and saying, I'm going to create some characters and I'm going to put them in a world and see what they do and I'm going to have plot twists and romance and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I've never done anything like that sustainedly ever. And I know that it'll be my voice coming through. I kind of can't help that. And so I'm curious as to if I, I really am curious as to whether I can do it. I think I'm creative in that way, but oh, yeah. I've never taken a run at it. And I know there's like write a book in a month. You know, there's there's uh, there are kind of, that. Write a oh, exactly, and and I just. I'm curious as to if I get a chapter in and I give it to somebody to read and they go, what's this? As opposed to I want more, then I might be encouraged. And so I'll well, think I'll.
0: Obviously, <laughs> let me know uh, if you have questions or are looking for whatever. I, I've got an overwhelming amount of information, books, podcasts, courses, websites. What, anything, you know, right
1: uh, first thing I would tap you for is software and what other kinds of things make it easy for me to do this, to do how do I outline my plot? How do I have my little cast of characters? What what do I do so that as I come up with ideas, I don't just put them in kind of a dog's dinner list that I actually start to have a scaffolding that I put things to. And then the scaffolding starts to ask you questions of, well, how'd they get there? And what happened before? And you know what I mean? That's well, kind no, of what I'm looking first for. first
0: <laughs> thing I'd probably tell you, like I tell others, and obviously I'm not a, a Bill level of professional, <laughs> um, but what I have learned is, really, you got to just sit down and write something because almost to a T, everybody, the first thing they write ends up not being as good as they hope or think, but you have to get that under your belt before the other stuff even makes sense. You know, outlining doesn't make sense and plotting doesn't make sense. And some of these more advanced things that I've talked with others, you know, do this and do this. They don't really make sense until, You've gotten something written, and you're like, "Oh, I can see that here. I can see that here." Um, So I, you know, that I'd say, don't kill yourself with trying to figure out plot and outline. Just start
1: writing. Get the practice.
0: You've read enough that you have story internalized. You you know what makes a good story and flow and plot. But trying to think about it while trying to also write for the first time. It, it, your brain gets short-circuited. Makes uh, sense. So, I would say just sit down and write and will it come out as good? It will it be the American novel that sets everything probably not. But you've got something to work on to improve, and improving. You can see where you need the improvement. Like I was doing a lot of starting sentences with ing words and I never realized it and it was very distracting and that's a very minor craft thing, not a story thing, but it 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 was something I discovered but I had to write to discover that.
1: Interesting. So. It's kind of funny. I, I think I mentioned I got the Lycanius trilogy as a gift from Colleen. Yeah. And so I'm reading them, and they're like, each of them is 600 pages, big books. And one of the, when I was thinking about this idea, and I'm reading this book, and I'm like, he's now used the phrase companionable silence like five times. And I'm like, you know, at least I wouldn't do that. You got to well, mix right. it up. You got to have you know, enough craft and it's not just going to the source and 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 using you know a different word it really is um i don't know don't repeat yourself don't bore the reader whatever else it might be and that's such a quibble the rest of the book quite good in terms of the characters and the plot and Mm -hmm. the the implications of what's going on but just to have that particular phrase stand out again and again it's like wow i someone should have pointed that out to him why didn't his editor say you need to mix this up a little bit. Right. So yeah. anyway. Well, you, to,
0: have you thought of trying to maybe just write a, a short story or write like one of your and Colleen's adventures uh, in a story format? Like, we, you know, when you went to the Capitals. That's you know? a
1: great idea. You know what I mean? And maybe that's – that's indeed – the the you know um, the Capital Adventure book, you know, and a Capital Idea, you know, that's writing that not as just a distillation of knowledge, but as it being our travelogue of it. You know, what we were saying, thinking, feeling uh, right. while we were doing uh, it. that appeals make, to me a lot. Make it like
0: a, a fiction memoir. So it's, it's yeah. based on real events almost. But uh, the trend nowadays is people don't want to read dry fact fictions and memoirs or nonfiction memoirs they like the story aspect. They like the real life, uh, nonfiction to be story-like. So that would be perfect for you. You know, some of your trips, travels, or, or even the pinball thing, You know, there's probably some hilarious story trying to write it down <laughs> so that it's, you know, it, it's one thing to t- that, you know, do that too. Uh, you know, if you have a digital recorder, you could just Talk the story into it, and then there are things that transcribe it, and then you edit that. Uh, so, I mean, all these things are just uh, ideas everybody's been using to help spark it and get the best possible product.
1: I very much appreciate that. You know, that like I said, that's 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 one of my. I don't know if it's a resolution, but it definitely is something outside my comfort zone because. I, I don't know that I'm a, only a creature of habit. It's not like I'm doing the exact same things every day. But I understand. Like, if I was to learn another language, your brain does cool things in adjusting itself to do that. And yeah. same with anything that's just new. I want novelty in a way that's not only a small extension, but kind of a throw myself into the deep end, throw myself off the cliff and grow wings. There's something exciting about that. And maybe this last year of really hunkering down and kind of isolation and being only about careful it's time to find uh uncareful but not yeah. in a way that it's like then i went to the party without a mask on you know what right. i mean i'm not gonna be stupid uncareful. i to, but there's still i'm missing that that uh go to a place you've never been before and know you're going to be okay but you still have to have all your senses going and where am i And how right. am i gonna find my way back and all that kind of stuff so, so did you uh
0: see that link i sent you that lady um yes. janice we should talk, try and talk to her. I think we, you would find it interesting. I, I heard her at one of the writer things I went to last night. But, I mean, she has met the Stones. She followed the Beatles. She got rock and roll banned in Cleveland. And we're the rock and roll capital of the world. So oh, yeah. I, I thought that would be perfect for an interview. I'm, I'm going to try and contact her and explain who we are, what we do, and that see if we, maybe she would come on and talk to us for a little bit about Let's go
1: it. Music. That sounds great. Okay, very good. And oh, we're, we're a little bit over, as we yeah, always Lord. are. Okay. All right. All right, man. <laughs> okay, I'm off to the vaults, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New okay. Year. Have a good week.
0: You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week.